Greetings, Apostle Lewis here for the Weekly Kingdom Outlook, and let's talk about end-time doctrine and how it affects the prophetic and theology all around. So one of the things that um, you know I first studied in the Word of God, because it was such a big deal, more than today, I mean, it was a really huge deal back in 1990, um, was end-time doctrine. And every year we'd had a conference in time doctrine, you know, in time, the last days, you know, the, you know, it wasn't, it was more like the handmaidens, the last days, the virgins and, and all this stuff was kind of like, um, it could happen at any moment. Like Jesus is coming back, which is true. Um, Jesus come back at any moment. Back in those days, Hal Lindsey's Grant Jeffrey, all of them were like huge. They used to have on TBN this week in Bible prophecy and everything that happened was somewhere in Scripture. Now, here's one of the reasons why if you're going to be used by God and he calls you to be a prophet, you really need to get a handle on both theology and an end-time doctrinal understanding. Because many prophets today when we don't understand that, or, or let's say, Prophets being raised up by God. God calls them to be prophets. And what people think that means is that you automatically have an inside track to truth or that you automatically know everything. Or um, And they don't understand that the way the prophetic works, it, it has to, by the way, let me just say this real quick. It has to line up with the word of God. That you don't get prophecy today and go, um, well, you know, let me let me tell you what the Lord showed me. Marriage isn't for today. You know, it, the, it's really, you know, I've had I've had several friends in my life who, you know, really got themselves in deep trouble because they thought they heard something contrary to Scripture. One thought that he was supposed to marry a woman who was married, and um, and I said, no, that's not biblical. And, you know, and you go, well. Why is that not biblical? Well, because God doesn't interfere with a covenant. So in other words, if someone else is married, God doesn't interfere with that covenant. Another gentleman thought that God told him to divorce his wife and marry his secretary. Uh, these, are, these are imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I know his word says that's sin. I know his word says that's no-no. And so when I violate the word and say I have a better revelation uh, than what the word says and I've exalted my imagination above God. Never a good opportunity to do that. So I would really, really um, warn against that. Well, this comes down to what does a prophet have to do? If we're going to be a prophet, is it just, this is what most people believe. And I, and I really want to emphasize the error in this. Being called to be a prophet of God or an apostle or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist does not mean that there's no preparation, study, education, wisdom that goes into it. You will not be um, recognized by people because you say you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, if you have really bad doctrine and really bad character. Um, those things matter. And I think there's a, um, there's a lot of people who think they're prophets and really have really no understanding of a 
the, of theology. And they will sit there and go, well, God called me. He might have, but he hasn't appointed you yet. And by the way, before you enter into fivefold ministry, there should be an appointment by people in the ministry. Not by, listen, not by your friend who was praying with you one night and you were talking about prophets and they said, oh, you know what? God showed me you're a prophet. And then you go the next day and say, see, my friend says I'm a prophet, so I'm a prophet. That's not how it works. Okay. And I really want you to understand that because that will, that number one, that diminishes true apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic teaching and pastoral ministries. It actually dilutes it. It actually gives it harm in the body. And, you know, since today, you know, in today's culture, we have like no um, thought about uh, the culture of leadership, the culture of authority. You know, everyone thinks they're, you know, the whole saying is that um, the Catholic Church has one pope, the charismatic church has 10,000 of them. There's no sense of authority. I'm, my authority comes from Jesus. Well, by the way, the Bible declares that there are leaders in the body. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean every leader is over every person. That's ridiculous. But, uh, and that's why, like, we can't have tribunals over people that we don't know. Why? Because, uh, by the way, I, one day I'm going to do a, a, a video on the satanic implications of tribunals. Okay, the satanic implication of it and what actually went on uh, with Todd. And I'll actually go into a whole thing and, and just one more time, just do why these are not a good idea, but also why you need authority in your life. You need someone that can tell you to sit down when you're an idiot. You just do. You need someone that you honor enough that they can correct you. And if you don't have that, then that's a problem. That's a real dangerous place for us to get to. Now, how do we get to that place where we allow that? And that's all done through relationship. And this is the problem today is that we have uh, systematic relationships, but not really good personal ones. And what do I mean by that? Well, we have relationship, but do we really, do we really have what we would like to have in relationship with leaders? And so, um, but let's get back to the why I started this video. Why does your end-time belief system matter? Well, most people don't understand what Peter was saying when Peter said, in the last days. And so they have a very poor understanding of what Peter meant, and we've made it to mean the last days that we're in right now. And you know, I'm going to show you that's probably not what, what Peter uh, meant, okay? And... Uh, why is that important? Because a lot of our end-time belief system comes from this phrase, last days. And you will hear um, a lot of people um, say this, you know, last days, last days, last days. And not that, uh, I, I want to deal, let's deal with Peter first. Now, he says, Joel prophesied that in the last days, uh, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And the sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Now, what I want to ask you is, the, the day the church was birthed, 
Do you believe it was the last days of the church? Yeah. Okay, it was not. And it's not the reference he's making. Now, the problem we have is because normally we're taught from other people. And so I started studying all this out deeply. Now, I want you to know I studied it out believing it. Believing that we were in the last days, believing that Jesus was coming back. And, you know, I was not saved in 88. Remember the book? There was a book or something like there was a, something that went around. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming, 88. And then, but I was around her. Y2K, Jesus is coming back. You know, this is the end of the world. We're all doomed, you know. And, and it's really what a lot of them, you know, were saying. And it really was where a lot of them were wrong. And... I once asked Bishop Hammond, um, how have you ever made a wrong prophecy? And he said, yes. He said, I was ordained in 1947 as a prophet. He said, and I prophesied that year that Jesus was coming back in 48. And he said, um, Jesus didn't come back in 48. But what happened in 48, there was a move of God that caused Israel uh, to become a nation again. He said, and so what I thought was actually Jesus coming back, it was a move of God that he was going to do something in the earth. And he said, this, this led to an error. He said, and what I did from that was, I realized that when I'm getting that sensing, don't filter through the end time belief system, but filter it through the covenant promises, God restoring all things, and what he wants to do in the earth. He said, since then, I've been able to accurately prophesy the faith movement, the, the you know, all the moves of God. He's been able, he's been on the forefront of prophesying some of those things. And he said, the reason was, is because I didn't filter it through an end time belief system that every time I felt some, it must mean Jesus is coming back. Because it seems to be this is where the prophets, by the way, this kind of prophecy is absolutely dysfunctional to the body of Christ. It is not helpful trying to find anti. The Antichrist is a spirit, not a person. The book of Revelation does not mention the Antichrist. John does. And the Antichrist is a spirit. It's, it's, it's this confusing spirit that takes a believer and gets them to deny Christ. And John talks about many Antichrists have already gone out into the world. Many people have taken on this spirit and they go out. They went out from amongst the apostles and they went out and said, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Okay. All right, that's important to understand. You might want to read what John says. Like, read the Bible what it says about the Antichrist. Now you go, wait a minute. How about the abomination of desolation spoken about in the prophet? Jesus prophesied that. That was in the temple, and it did happen in AD 70. The Roman emperor's son, I think it was his son. He later became, I think became emperor. I think it was Titus or something. When he conquered Rome, he sat down in the seat and said blasphemous words about God and declared himself to be God. And by the way, Jesus also said in that prophecy, not one stone will be left upon another. And you know what they did? They turned over every stone of the temple, not to destroy it, but because not only to destroy it, it might have been part of motivation, but because the gold had dripped down uh, in between the stones and they wanted all the gold. Okay, 
the, the, you understand the majesty in which the second temple was made. It had all of this gold. Now you get people going, well, there's going to be a third temple. Why would you want that? Like, that's not good for the Jews, by the way. God does not dwell in temples made of men's hands. This is why Stephen is, is stoned to death. Go read Acts chapter, uh, you know, I think it's 6, 7. Uh, go read it with Stephen's great, great sermon. By the way, it's one of the greatest sermons in the book of Acts. Go read it. Because he goes through the history of God choosing Israel as a people, their ignorance, their stupidity, and how he brought about Christ in the church. You should go read it. You'll get a lot of history lessons just from reading that. And so let's go back because what Peter says, and, and this is what Peter does say. He says that, you know, that it was Joel, okay? And he's trying to give us a... Um, and a, I don't know how to say it, a, um, an understanding of what is happening on the day of Pentecost, because obviously something is happening, right? They're speaking in tongues and everything. And he's going to quote Joel chapter two, 28 and 29, and it shall come to pass afterward. Now he knows he doesn't say in the last days. Okay. Because you have to read the rest of Joel. Now, what people do not understand, and, and I don't I don't have time to do this here, but they don't understand why Jesus stopped in, in, in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, uh, the year of Jubilee, but he does not talk about the day of vengeance. He does talk about the day of vengeance in Luke 21 when he's talking about the destruction of the temple. Okay, that's going to be very hard to just, but go read it and you'll see what I'm saying. All right, and Joel's prophecy in chapter 2, and I don't want to go through all this, but I just want to give you a filter. Now, Peter is only one of three other people, okay, who it's James and John, and I think Andrew and Peter, who are talking to Jesus on the mount about the prophecy of Israel's destruction, okay? He doesn't talk to all the disciples, just these four. It's in the, I think it's in Luke or Mark. It's, it's, it's not in Matthew. And um, it says that later on on the mountain, Jesus explained these things to him. All right. Now, you got to understand when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he does not talk in parables. He's talking very plainly to them. Okay, why? Because that's what Jesus did. He explained the parables to them. He gave them the understanding they needed. And when Peter says... In the last days, God shall pour out a spirit, which is not what Joel said, but Peter says it, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he's saying today's the day. What is it? You have to ask yourself, what is in the last days? What does that mean? What is happening in the earth in the last days? Well, most Gentiles have a real issue with understanding this because they're thinking like a like a Gentile, not like a Jew, not like a Jew, not like a uh, covenant person, not like someone who went to the temple. They don't get this. They they don't. This is really difficult for our mindset. For us, you know, the temple is not everything for us because we are the temple, right? We are living stones that build together this holy temple in the Lord. Ephesians chapter two, nineteen through twenty-two. But to the Jew, the temple is everything it's everything and, and i don't have time to get into this. this is why there wasn't one there, number one most christians don't know this there was not one tablet of stones 
with five commandments and one tablet of stone with five commandments. There was two tablets of stone that each had 10 commandments on them. They were duplicates. And you go, why, why would God do that? Because whenever you took over a nation, you gave the covenant contract both to the political sector and to the religious sector. And so these two witnesses were brought together and put in the Ark of the Covenant. I don't have time to get into this because you have to understand the history of covenant making and all this stuff and the two witnesses and all this kind of what that means. OK, all right, because two witnesses are needed. That's why Moses says stuff, you know, heaven and earth is our witness. OK, this is why. This is why you have two witnesses sign. A, by the way, sign your marriage you know, certificate. This is what goes on in your Bible. By the way, in Florida. Years ago, you could get married and your pastor could literally uh, come into your Bible. Let's see if I got right here. Come into your Bible and actually sign the front of your Bible. And believe it or not, that was a marriage certificate. You didn't need, you did not need to go pay for it. That's, that's how the government got involved at making money in the marriage. See, the government likes to make money. How can we make money in marriage? Well, you know what? We'll charge 80 bucks for a marriage certificate. That's how we'll make money. See, government, government's an entity that just consumes and wants to grow. But you don't need that in the church. You didn't, you don't you know, by the way, you can get married in the church and, but there's tax laws. That's why you want to get the marriage license. Okay. But all right. But that's all you needed until, until government said, you know what we'll do? We'll get in. You know, we should have fought that. We said, no, we're not going to require people to get a marriage license. That is, it should have went right away. That is not for the state to get involved in. The state should never be involved in marriage licenses. But you know how much money is made in marriage licenses? Well, it pays for it pays for some salaries and some buildings. I guarantee you that much. Okay. <laughs> Especially if people come down to Florida to get married and stuff like that. All right. Or anywhere. Hawaii, you know how much you know, Vegas, how much you think they make in Vegas off of marriage licenses? Oh my God. You you just you just, you know, every little thing that we pay tax on um, is all to feed the beast. And that's what the beast was. Beast was a political system. All right. So Peter says that it shall come to pass. Now, you've got to think in Peter's perspective. He ain't thinking like you. Peter is not thinking 2,000 years later. Uh, see, God's showing us our time frame. We are so narcissistic that we actually believe everything's got to culminate in our time. That is narcissism. That isn't wisdom, and it isn't biblical. By the way, I tell people all the time, I'm 58 years old. Jesus can take me home at any time he wants. I belong to him. I treat every day like my last days. I treat every day ready. I'm, I'm trying to treat every day the same. Living for him. You know, Paul says you can make one day holy or make them all holy. I'm trying to make them all holy. Okay, Live in the holiness of God and treat every day like it's so unique today. It's so special to have breath today. I've been doing this for 30 years. It's so special to have breath today with the Lord. Okay, and someone who's lost his parents and have lost friends, it, it's very precious. Now, I know I'm going to live, but, you know, I don't want to leave my kids and my wife and uh, this early or something like that. I still have things to do, right? But I know that these are my last days. I don't get another another day. But we have come to believe that everything is going to, by the way, the world believes this too. Okay, they have the same fatalistic demonic doctrine which is the world's going to blow up and it's always 10 years it's always 30 50 years right the world's going to blow up we're all going to die by the way you're going to die anyway so stop it all right you're not going to save earth 
I love when people think they're going to save the planet. Yeah, you're not. You can steward it better, but you're not going to save the planet. You're narcissistic. You need something to make yourself feel important when you say stuff like that. All right. So what was Peter thinking? Well, Peter's there in Matthew. It's in Matthew 23, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. He's there. Jesus comes out of the temple. And Jesus makes this most amazing statement. See, so they say, Jesus, look at these buildings, aren't they? This is so magnificent here. Jesus goes, I'll tell you the truth. Not one of these stones will be left upon another. Now, to us, we're like, well, yeah, the temple was destroyed. The armies. I want you to think like a Jew. I want you to think like Peter. You know, they don't they don't know what they're gonna know. Okay. They they don't know what they're gonna know in about a week. Well, it's a couple of days away. Jesus is gonna die. But within a week, Jesus is gonna be raised from the dead. They don't know this. Like, you don't understand. Like, they don't have history. They have their future in front of them. They aren't thinking like someone who can look back. And the temple is everything about a nation. It means that Israel is still functioning. By the way, that's why Peter asked Jesus, are you going to at this time, this is chapter one, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom Israel. It's a really interesting question. Okay, he says this. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? This is what people don't understand when they read the Gospels. Jesus told them, God has taken the kingdom from them. You might think he did it because they crucified him. He did not take the kingdom because he crucified them. He took the kingdom because they broke the covenant over and over again. And there was, look at, I, people don't have a real biblical understanding of this. When when Paul is talking about um, that you, in Romans chapter, I think it's six, uh, or it might be seven actually, that when a man dies, yes, when man dies, that the wife is free to marry another. He is not talking about marriage the way you think. He's talking about the covenant, the old covenant, they were married to Jesus. That's who they were married to, by the way. But they broke the covenant by committing adultery throughout the gospel. I mean, throughout the um, prophets. And it says in Jeremiah, "I'm going to make a new covenant with them, not like I made, not like the covenant I made with their fathers uh, in in the desert when I took them out of Egypt. Not not like that. Not the covenant which they broke. Listen, that they broke, even though I was a husband." to them okay if he was the husband they were the wife i want you to understand this i want you to get this paul is telling israel because they cannot enter a new covenant as long as jesus was alive that's why the new covenant doesn't begin until the resurrection why because God can't initiate a new covenant until the old covenant is done. You have to understand this. This is the way covenants work. And most Christians read chapter 7 and have no clue it's talking about the covenants. Okay? They have no clue of what is going on here. Because we're not a we don't teach covenant Hebraically 
or culturally in the old times. We, we teach, you know, we don't teach covenant. People break marriages left and right like it's no problem. All right. And I don't like divorce. Don't get me wrong. I have friends who have been divorced that screwed up their lives and have gotten back right with God, and I love them for it. I don't like divorce. I would never tell someone yet. Yeah. My way, I have told people, you need to get away from that guy because he's sleeping around and he's beating you up, and I'm afraid you're not going to live. You know, I mean, I have done that because I, I, there's grounds for it, and they were frightened to death. I'm like, no way to live. All right, but let me let me explain this to you. What he's talking about is, Jesus was put on the cross. Jesus, listen, you know what he nailed on the cross? Your sin. You know what else he nailed? All the righteous requirements, all the requirements of the law for your righteousness. He nailed them to the tree. He closed out the old covenant in his own flesh. I, I don't have time to go deep into this. And when he rose, he initiated the new covenant. And that's what Peter's explaining to him. All right. We don't understand. Look at, he was the, look at. Jesus was the son of man. Not, listen, most Christians think when he said he was the son of God, that that meant he was deity. You don't understand Hebrew. When he was saying he was the son of man, he's referencing Daniel chapter 7, that actually in the Hebraic understanding was that he was the begotten of God. That this was deity. One like the Son of Man, came unto the Ancient of Days. Jesus was not the Ancient of Days. The Father was. Even though Jesus is the Ancient of Days, but not in that reference. The Father is the Ancient of Days. Jesus is the Son of Man. Son of Man in Hebraic. By the way, there was a great apologetic. He's passed away now. But he used to do this in front of Muslims. He used to take them to Daniel 7 and debates with, the, with Islam and show them that it does mention the Son of Man or deity as a son in Scripture. Okay, and he goes through it all with them, and it's great, great study. Nabel, Nabil, I think was his name. Um, he used to be in Ravi Zacharias's team, and he passed away at like the age of 38 with cancer, but he was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. And, and if I can find that one, I'll maybe share a link in it. If I can find it, it's still probably on YouTube, but he, just the first debate he goes through with this, the first section of the debate where he goes through the Son of Man is amazing to learn stuff. All right. So understanding that your end time doctrine, and, and I, I tell this to prophets, stop prophesying the last days. Well, that's what I heard. Yeah, that's what you heard when it was filtered because your belief system is we're in the last days. So prophets learn this language. It's not that God's saying it. They're at, because look, at God isn't telling us when he's returning. He's coming as a thief. Jesus is coming back as a thief in the night. We might be able to, Maybe see a season, but I don't even know if we do that. Okay, it's a thief in the night. That's why he told us to make sure there's oil in our lamp, to stay watchful, all this stuff. Okay, he never told them the day that they were coming back. Okay, he will come back and and um, that will be that. By the way, he takes the tares first, not the wheat. Go read the parable and deal with it. Maybe we don't go in the first load. All right. Okay, so a lot of the end time belief system, left behind books, all that is, is garbage. All right, you have to get a biblical understanding that we are here. We are the ones who inherit the earth. And Jesus isn't taking the church out of the earth. He's actually going to take the tares out of the kingdom. Okay, that's what the Bible says. So deal with it. Get around. And, but why is this important? If you want to hear God accurately, if 
if you want to be used as a prophet to hear God accurately, you have to give up your opinions. And you have to hear him. Um, you have to be really, really grounded in his, in the word and his voice, but not your opinions. If you have an end time belief system that some people do, that America's got to fall for the Antichrist to rise up in the Roman Empire and all this stuff. And I go, boy, that's just a, that's just a, by the way, the Bible doesn't say America's got to fall. America is not a covenant nation with God. Israel is. Okay, that's important to understand. It's important that we understand the covenant aspect of, you go. Know, God has a covenant with his people, but he has an Old Testament. He's got a covenant with the land of Israel that's not broken. He, that's, he's got a covenant with them. Okay? And he doesn't have a covenant with Israel, the people. He's got a covenant with Israel, the nation. Covenant is such a big part of who we are but unfortunately, many Christians have never studied the aspect of covenant. Now, covenant is something that greatly interested me. Um, and I, and then I was just so blessed. You know, next month is two years that Randy Letcher went to be with the Lord on Yom Kippur. And Randy, I love you. I can't wait. to. I, well, I can't wait. But when I see you again. But he was messianic he was jewish uh by birth and upbringing and then man we talked about covenant and kingdom and the hebraic nature of stuff now i he, but he never tried to you know he wasn't jewish he didn't randy didn't keep the sabbath but he always told me to pay attention to the feast he, he loved the feast of the lord and we're getting ready to enter that season again which is a great season with the lord these fall festivals and feasts and you should pay attention to them you don't have to do them in other words, I'm not going to go and live in a tent. I'm, Jesus fulfilled these things. and But what I want to do is I want to pay attention and listen to him during this season because that's important. All right. Why does that matter if you're going to be a prophet of God? Because your doctrine does matter. Okay. If you want to go deep with God and you do not, you know, you know, Bishop Hammond used to teach us that, you know, to be a prophet in the Old Testament, you had to like know, they had to know the Torah, the first five books by heart verbatim. They had to be able to quote them verbatim. They had to be able to play a musical instrument. And they were, this is where people don't understand, and they were trained. They weren't just, you're called to be a prophet, and therefore you are. That that wasn't, that's not even biblical. Okay? And 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 yet, I think a lot of, a lot of Christians um, have a really um, poor understanding of how how they're raised up they 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 don't understand um that there were these training hubs even in israel i read i read something in the hamish about about jacob that when jacob you know went to go live with Levan, there was a schooling there and so he was actually trained in some things when he was with Levan. For those 21 years. It's amazing that you don't know that. Well, it's not scripture. Scripture is the word of God. It's not a history book of everything that everyone ever did. It's complete in that it's what God wants us to have, but it's not the complete volume of everything God said. The Bible doesn't make that claim. Okay? So you, you see in 1 Samuel 19 that David goes to Samuel 
Um, and David fled and escaped, verse 18, and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him what Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. Now was told Saul, saying, David, take note, David is at Naoth and Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as a leader over them, the Spirit of God came out. Okay, so we see that there was like a company of prophets. By the way, Elijah, most likely Elijah came out of this school. We don't have a lot of back history of Elijah, but he came out of the school. You know why? how I have real good reference to that? Elijah took Samuel's touring gig. You know who, and then you know what Elisha did? Elijah took Samuel's, or Elijah's touring gig, went to the five school, five cities for the school of the prophets. There were schools and companies of prophets. Okay, and there was one, there's always like, needs to be those. You know, I do a school of the prophets. I've done it for years, okay? And... I can't wait till we get our own building again because if you have a building in Jacksonville you want to give us, let me know. Um, but we need those hubs again. We need the School of the Prophets ain't a weekend thing. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of it. I'm, I'm not a fan of a weekend School of the Prophets. I'm really not a fan of that. I, I don't mind doing a conference called the School of the Prophets, but that's really not school. School of the Prophets is a lifestyle school. It's a it's a relational school. It's one where you're together and you're listening and you're teaching all the time. It's not this, you know, hey, let's come out. Let's go see, you know, go to day and a half of School of the Prophets. And we're a prophet. That's not how you become a prophet. It's how you can learn the things of the prophetic, but you won't become a prophet that way. Okay, first, one, God has to call you. Two, he normally gives you to someone to raise you up. By the way, most people don't know that that soul of Tarsus was in Gamil's School of the Prophets. I think it was Dr. Mark Sharon who taught me that one. All right. So that's why that's important. And because you're going to prophesy stuff. And if you and if you if you have bad doctrine, if you have bad end time theology, it gets filtered through you because it's not like this. God doesn't sit there and go, hey, Lou, today I want you to go and tell Steve that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going, yes, Lord. OK, that word. You know, it's not like the Lord is speaking word for word all the time. That's not how we hear his voice. If it was that easy, you know, that God would just come and speak to us like Samuel in the night, right? That's that's not always how it works. Sometimes it's a thought, an impression, a vision, stuff. You have to interpret what God's saying. You have to, you know, you, by the way, this comes by the gift of the spirit. This is not something you learn necessarily through education. That way you learn it through experiencing and fellowshipping with God, okay? It, it's not, I could give you guidelines, but I can't make you do it. In other words, it's you learning how to listen to God. But I, I will tell you, I've had people come up, especially nonprofits have done this, and said, you know, God told me this, blah, 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 blah. And goes, God didn't tell you that. God didn't say that. That's you and your bitterness. I could tell them, no, that's because you're bitter about your friend. And so God told you, you know, God told you to do that. God didn't tell you to do that. God told you to forgive them. You want to get vengeance. God didn't tell you that. And so you need to have that really good. That's why, you know, Timothy, um, you know, Paul tells him to, in the King James, says, study to show yourself approved. Why? You've been called, Timothy. You've been appointed. You've been approved by me to be this leader. But don't forget to study. Don't forget 
to pray. Don't forget to advance. Don't forget to grow. Don't think that the position made the man, the man, the growth of the man or woman gave way to the position. Don't sit there and think the position makes you. A lot of people have a positional. I don't work on positional authority at all. I try not to work on it because it's the just cheapest way of having authority. And so the point for me on that is like people think, well, if I get a position, I'll grow. No, if you grow, God will make a place. And most Christians won't put in the effort until they think they have a payout for it. All right. So it's really important that no matter what, if you're called to be a pastor, if you're called to be an evangelist, you have to study. You have to pray. You have to prepare yourself as a vessel. You have to get the wisdom of God. And you need to have rightful end time. I don't even call it end time. Rightful eschatology. And I could go into this for a very long time, but I'm not going to go any farther. I've done packages on this. I'm thinking about doing a GSS on it. Uh, we'll see if I do that. Um, but I, I think you need to get as many different, like you have to read and study and stop reading what everyone else told you it means. Okay? Because it doesn't help anybody. All right. Well, I love you. Hey, would you do me a favor? Like, subscribe, do all that in the pages. And hey, leave a comment. Be nice. You disagree? Just tell me I disagree. That's fine. You might want to tell me why. Maybe we can have a chat. Maybe I'll address it in the next week's video. We can talk more about it. If you have a, if you want to have a question you'd like to ask me, please leave the comment because I love to read those and come back. More, most of the time you get these snarky comments on Christian channels, but don't leave me those because they just get deleted. Um, but if you give, you know, you have a really serious question you want to ask, please ask it on the channel, and I will sit there and do my best to answer it for you if I know the answer. And there's a good chance I won't. Good chance I will. Just have to see what that is. I love you. God bless you. See you next week. You have a great day. Bye-bye.